Hello, and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit, and I'm Dave. I'm Chris. And this is our first ever uh, incredibly disconnected Skype episode. So look out, Dopey Nation, because we're Skyping it in now, because Chris can't come to New York anymore. That's not true. Well, that's why we're doing this. That's why we're doing it this time. And I feel like many people use Skype to record, and we can still see each other, so... So they make a far inferior product to us, though, just to be clear. I, I already feel like I'm in the space shuttle plummeting towards Earth in trouble. And so here we are. I'm in uh, the north end of Boston in, can I say your town? Yeah, why not? Dave is in Sayville, Long Island. Yes. And behind I'm, in Dave- my do- I'm in my daughter's room. And just, just so you have a real dopey thing, look what's here. A fish tank? Is that the fish tank? No, the fish tank broke and drained out in Manhattan. This is my daughter's little goldfish fish tank that I told her not to get. Dave has a little picture of a bunny uh, behind his head. Is that, that's not the Easter, is your daughter Jewish? No, not, well, she's, you know, half, but she's not, technically she's not Jewish, no. Is she Christian? Is she anything? She's definitely not Christian. (laughs) She's more. I'd say she's more Jewish than she is Christian. So that's, that's not not the Easter Bunny in there. I would say it is not the Easter Bunny, but a bunny. Yeah. My daughter's obsessed with uh, bunnies. She had a bunny when she was a little kid. Maybe it's around here, and it was like her best friend, and she took it places, and so her bunny was a big focal point of her life. So bunnies became kind of a thing. How'd she do when the bunny died? The bunny didn't die. It's a stuffed animal. The bunny's thriving. Oh, the bunny's, I thought it was alive. The bunny's life is much better than your life. This bunny has, has been all over the place. The bunny's loved. It's cared for. It comes when it's asked to come. It does its thing. I bet it's fucking disgusting. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's really disgusting. It's a really disgusting bunny. Um, and it's had holes. But, I mean, the fact they lost it once in Pennsylvania, and they had to get some hotel clerk to ship it back. Then... Um, we lost it in the house and everyone blamed Linda's father for it. And he felt so guilty and he went out into town and put signs up, lost bunny, lost bunny. And, uh, for six months we didn't have the bunny and we're all like, Oh, the bunny, you know, it's like this big fucking problem. Oh, bunny's gone. It's not the bunny either. It's bunny. Oh, bunny's gone. And I, I think she'll be okay. And, uh, and then it was like, Bunny's on vacation, but she'll be back, you know, and it's like, I'm like, Bunny's not coming back. You know, Bunny's Bunny's gone. You have to live without Bunny, but that's okay because we lose things and Bunny's gone. And everyone's like, shut up. And then all of a sudden on one day, they found Bunny in some, <laughs> the bottom of some box. And then, and then Linda made this whole elaborate video to give Bunny back to Nora six months later. It was a very heart-rendering moment. You should have wrapped it up and given it as a present. No. Well, but Bunny's more than a present. Bunny's a, like a, a like an entity. Yeah. Bunny's totally an entity. But um, before we go any further, I just want to get this out of the way. What is it? I just want to get this out of the way. Dopey Nation, check this out. Hey, guys. It's Artie Lang. I'm with Dave from Dopey. We're really here. You're really going to come on? I'm going to come on a show. Dopey and Anthony. Give me the word. Dopey and Anthony. Yes, yes. Good. Don't hate him. 
Yeah, don't hate. No, that's, my fans don't hate me. Uh, Your fans hate me. The crossovers. You're going to take the sandwich or what this time? Where is it? I have it in there. Bring it down. I'll eat it. And there you go. What do you think about that? Did he, did he eat the sandwich? I doubt it. I fucking gave them I gave them hats and sandwiches again and fucking you know the show is the Artie and Anthony show. And Anthony Wait, you wait, know, wait, wait, wait. They don't know what you're saying. Explain what happened. Explain how you met him. <sighs> well, I'm on like this fucking pilgrimage to get Artie Lang on Dopey. And I kind of feel you know, I feel kind of stupid about the whole thing, but I stand by loving Artie. Um, so I've been tracking him down, tracking him down, tracking him down. And I found out he was making a paid to listen to podcast with Anthony Cumia, who was on the Opie and Anthony show. Now I am a diehard Howard Stern fan and Howard Stern fans don't really deal with Opie and Anthony. So the fact that Artie was going to be Artie and Anthony, it was like, huh? So, but I never listened to Anthony, so I didn't know. So I went, I went to, um, I found out that they record in New York and, um, I wrote, they have a, they work for a company called compound media and I wrote compound media to see, uh, where they recorded. And she said I could come see them record. So I figured it was like a big, like a Jerry Springer show kind of thing where they sat there and a bunch of knuckleheads sat in the audience cheering them on or something. But it turned out. That wasn't the situation. I wound up getting there late and I was scared that I wasn't going to get let in or they were going to have to open the door at a break or something. They're in this like shithole fucking room in 35th Street. Nobody's there. There's a little control room and then there's like a room where they record the show and some dude is – I'm standing there like an idiot with a bag from my restaurant and my backpack. You know, where I just look like a fucking idiot. I'm wearing my long – I'm wearing my long overcoat with my hoodie and a Yankees cap and my scarf. So I kind of just look like some like midtown kind of guy. And he's like, are you here to watch the show? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, all right, go sit down. And the door was like cracked open this much. And I walk in and there's a couch and there's all these chairs and nobody's there. And there's Artie Lang and Anthea, Anthea, whatever his name is, Anthony, Anthea. Why do I say Anthea? Anthony fucking doing their show. So I sit down. They never refer to me. I try to interrupt to them a bunch of times. And then Artie gets up to go to the bathroom, and I stop him in the hallway to record that thing. He said he'll come on Dopey. And then they're both convinced that all Dopey is is some version of Opie from Opie and Anthony because that's probably what they called Opie. But you didn't explain what it is? Uh, well, I had, I had explained it to Artie before – no, I didn't explain what it was. There was no time. You know, I was like Wait, a weird Forget sleeper. all that. The best part, you loved out the best part. What was the best part? The sneezing sock. Oh, yeah. So while they were recording the show, I like, because I have this constant allergy where I'm constantly, like, all of a sudden, like, something will trigger something in my navel cavity, and then I'll know. For an hour, I'll, my nose will be running and I'll be sneezing. And I'm sitting there and I, my sneezes are violent and snotty, like viscously snotty. And I'm like, uh, and I don't have tissues, but I'm so gross. You know, like in a backpack, there's two mesh pockets on the side of the backpack. Yeah. I keep a sock in one of the mesh pockets 
just in case I'm on the train and I, you know, I need the to use it. The Dopey Nation, no, you've told the Dopey Nation about your sneezing sock. Dude. And, your, and your, loog, your loogie envelope. Sometimes <laughs> this, I, I sneeze so much that the sock is soaking. This is it's, it's soaking wet with mucus. It's just fucking repulsive. Okay, so this sock, you, the you... sock is dry. I'm sitting there in the corner on the couch blowing into the sock the whole time. Luckily, these guys don't look at me for a second. So I don't know. They don't know what Dopey is, but Artie's going to come on. They both have a hat. Anthony said, what did you spit in the sandwich? And I was unimpressed, you know, yeah. whatever. What am I going to say? I also, if I say anything negative about their show, the Artie fans think I don't like Artie. Like, I can't be truthful with my take on anything because I don't want to offend these people. Yeah. Um, did you text him yet? No. Good restraint. No, Very good I restraint. Because it's going to be this, it's like, how many disappointments am I capable of carrying around with me at one time? Like I feel zero. like I <laughs> feel zero. I feel like if I text him, chances are it's not even the right number. You know, that's that's really what I feel deep down. Like I got and fucking this is the funniest part. Artie's gross. Artie's old. His skin is so dry it hurt to hey, shake you, his hand. What are you saying this, man? They're gonna listen to it. I'm just saying, Artie's got very dry skin. He's not like an attractive guy or an attractive girl. And and the feeling I have with his number in my phone is like I got the hottest chick's girl's number. Yeah. But Artie is not the hottest chick in the world. He's just one of my heroes. And Artie fans just know I love Artie. I'm a devotee. I've read his books. I've listened to everything he's well, ever fucking done. Well, you fucking cock-sucking bastard. <laughs> I'm in these Twitter wars with these Artie people. And the Dopey Nation didn't get my back. Well, I think you're playing it cool. You didn't text him right away. I didn't text him at all. That's good. That's good. You know what I'm going to do, rather than play it cool, is I'm going to show up like super stalker. Like super uncool. I'm, I'm going to text him. He's not going to respond. And then I'm going to turn up there again with more sandwiches and more hats. I, I support that. What am I going to do? All right, so Dopey Nation, be on the lookout for an arty episode at some point in the next year. But the worst part is, is that uh, is Chris won't be there. That's the worst part. That's for sure. We'll see. It's for sure. Because I'm going to get it done. I'm getting it done. You're just going to get it done randomly. Well, you're not. Even, gonna, we're not even going to try to do it. You're just going to do it. It breaks my heart to try and fail so much. I can't. I can't handle the disappointment. Yeah, but anyway, it's either way. Be on the lookout. It's too bad because I was going to tell the one dopey story I'd never told if I was on with Artie. I know if you, but you have to make it happen. Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna beg Maybe you. Maybe if you do it, I'll tell it. We can layer it in, and I'll tell it anyways. But I kind of wanted to that's tell a great to Artie. Yeah. I mean, I think the show would be a billion times funnier if you were there. Like yeah. a billion times funnier. It won't be nearly as good because it'll be like serious. Well, it also will be good yeah, because you know so much about him and I know nothing, which it's good. But that's not why – that's not even why though. It's like I bet you Sam Cutler would have been a billion times better if you were there just because so three that would have people, been scowling at you behind the scenes. <laughs> that and also three people, it adds to the funny because it's like nobody wants to take anything seriously. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like – there's this, like a group thing and we're making fun of it and you know what I mean? One on one. It's like, so tell me, Chris, how did you disappoint your parents? Yeah, I got you. 
You know, it's like, so Artie, why did you attempt suicide? It's like, how is that going to be funny? Um, so here we are. I'm in the North End. Dave's in Sayville. I thought before we get started, I would tell one or two North End stories. Yeah, might as well. So the North End Dopey Nation is an Italian part of town in Boston. It's really small. It's only like maybe it's not even a square mi- maybe a square mile, and it's like really condensed. And I lived here when I was 26 and had moved back from a really really fucking dark period of my life when I was going crazy in and out of jail and out of treatment. And uh, nothing had changed, but I made it back to Boston. My parents um, got me an apartment because they were like, okay, he's older. He's never really had his own place, and he should have his own place to live. So I lived um, – they live in the waterfront area, which is across the street, and I lived in um, a little tiny apartment in the North End. And first of all, I had to have this apartment because it had a private roof deck. And the apartments are really, really fucking small. And this one place I looked at was $500 more than everything else because it had its own roof deck, right? And I was like, I need to have that. And in the course of one year, I probably spent a cumulative total of an hour on that roof deck. Well, why did you think you needed it? Because it's cool. Your own roof deck, right? Isn't that cool? Who says roof deck? Is it a, an, a, like a terrace? It's like a terrace on the top, and it's like I had some buildings have that, but they're like community ones. And mine, it was only through my apartment. And your parents paid for it? Yes. Yeah. Um, how big of a roof deck is it that it's called a roof deck and not a terrace? It was uh, 15 by 15 feet. So it's like, a, it's like a pad. It's like it's not a terrace. It's yeah. A, it's something else. I grew a little mar- – I forgot about this. I grew a little marijuana plant and uh, – it just happened to be female. So it got buds, right? And like I started it when like when it was getting cold out and then I brought it inside and I had lights and then I remember I relapsed and I went to treatment and I was off to treatment and it was already flowering but it wasn't close to being ready. And I literally just picked all the buds off and ate them before I went to treatment. Didn't do anything. I can't imagine Anyways, Dovey Nation, this was when I lived in this apartment. I'll just tell one story from it. I was pretty bad. I came in and I pulled like the blinds down and um, he, he, literally if you look across the street, somebody, you can read what somebody – like the cover of their book. That's how close. It's like an alleyway and there's probably five feet between you and the next apartment. So if you have your shades up, you can see in the other person's apartment. So, so it's that close to the other buildings but you have this only, expansive roof deck. Yeah, and it wasn't even expansive. And then, honestly, there's all buildings around the roof deck so you can't see anything. There's no view. Do you know what I mean? It's very, it's very hard to picture. So it's like – I picture this like kind of like Gotham-y, like buildings it very is. close it together. Is. It is. It's kind of like that. <clears throat> oh, okay. It was immigrant housing, you know, like back in the day and then now it's like hip and cool and chic. Um, so anyways, I pulled the blinds down because in the main part of the apartment, like you can literally see into the, all the other apartments. So I pulled the blinds and I never opened them for a year. I kept them closed the entire time. And I started doing those. I was a heroin addict and I was doing all this other stuff. But I did those research chemicals. And I just remember injecting this form of DMT. I don't even remember. Maybe it was 5-MAO DMT. It was some sort of DMT, right? And I had looked on Arrowhead for um, basically trip reports of people who had injected it. And there was only one guy I could find on all the internet. You know, it was this Arrowhead trip report who had injected it. And he said to for a really strong trip to inject like 6 milligrams. And I had a half a gram, so I had 500 milligrams. And I tried eyeballing it, and I probably shot, I don't know, 25 milligrams. You know, I shot way, way, way too much. And I injected it, and I remember everybody loves Raymond. 
was on in the background and I was also working construction. And this is the last thing I remember was, um, the conversation on everybody loves Raymond was about somebody being gay and I was working construction and it just had this construction gay vibe. It was like, I, I couldn't even describe it. It was like this industrial gayness and I was, and it was really confusing. And then I thought, goodbye, mom and dad. I literally thought that, that goodbye, mom and dad, that I was, I had fried my brain and I came to an hour later in my bedroom instead of the living room. And I was doing like bicycle kicks, like running my, my legs like this, you know, like on my bed. And I don't know how much time I've been like an, an hour or something like that. That's the story. That's the story. So you, you blacked out to, to reemerge in consciousness doing bicycle exercises in bed. Yes. There was no like men's magazine with construction workers next to you with, you know, nothing like that. <laughs> no, you, were, you were just you were just exercising in bed. There's no man next to me, though. No. There was some construction worker next to you naked with a hard hat smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Being like, you're really gay, Chris. I remember, too, that was one of the few times I took mescaline in that apartment. And I was a regular heroin addict. And I wasn't even sick when I took the mescaline. But it was like time for me to shoot dope. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, I didn't feel sick, but I was like, I should shoot dope because it's like spend, you know, seven hours or whatever. I would be sick normally. I didn't even feel sick. And I went in the bathroom to shoot dope while I was tripping. And I don't know if anybody's had this experience of injecting heroin while tripping on hallucinogenics. It's not fun. You I can't do imagine. It. Well, you do it. I didn't feel it. It didn't do anything. I thought it was going to like make the trip better. It did absolutely nothing. And as you poke yourself, you're like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Well, it's a very antithetical thing. It's like, yeah, I mean, like I've never in the course of, I mean, this is the closest I got to that was, um, it was one of the last, like the last really like almost innocent. And I say innocent drug experiences I had because I, I wasn't like seriously dependent on opiates, but I remember uh, I was dating this girl, and I was I was making a lot of money at the time, and she invited me over, and she was kind of wild, you know. Yeah. And I went over to her house with. What do you mean uh, wild? She used drugs, you know what I mean. She like she like she would do anything, you know yeah. what I mean. She was like, and it's rare that you're a drug addict and you meet somebody that's going to do anything, you know what I mean. And it was also like it was the one time in my life. That like I was like actually like living some like drug addict fantasy as opposed to a drug addict, you know, horror show. Yeah, you were making money and you were cool and it was – I was making money. I like – I was like – I had just like come off some night with a friend of mine where we sold a bunch of ecstasy at a Halloween party. Yeah. So like it was very like unlike me, like a situation that I – like I kind of imagined my whole life was going to be like that period but it was like a day. Yeah. You know, I'm selling ecstasy. I have heroin. I have a little coke. I have tons of weed and I'm like, you know, feeling myself or whatever. Yeah. And she like invites me over and I was like, I want to impress her. So I went over to her house with, a, you know, a bunch of ecstasy, a bunch of heroin and a bunch of coke. Yeah. And, uh, and we did all of it. And it was like, it was before I was dependent on heroin. So it wasn't like sad. It was like really crazy kind of thing. Yeah. But, uh, I just, uh, after that, there was never a part of my life where I would get high on heroin and have any access to a hallucinogen, yeah. you know? So like I, I never was in, except for the ibogaine and I was in withdrawal. So the only, like, the only reason I mean, I was just, the only reason I ever had access to it too was either off the dark web 
or because I would do things like buy San Pedro's off the internet and make mescaline. Do you know what I mean? I never had access either. It was like only through these weird back channels because who are you hanging out with that does hallucinogenics anymore? But when you were, but when you were in your relapse uh, with that great LSD flashback story. It was all Silk Road shit. Right. But you were interspersing heroin yeah, with I was acid with coke. Yeah, you know I what I mean? Like you were yeah. like, what the fuck? You were having those kind of probably well, those. Well, this is the dark web. Picture this, dude. You go. It's the Amazon of drug use. It's literally have all these different drugs, pictures of it and reviews about how good it is. And the reviews are fucking accurate. So it's like it's like hmm I kind of am craving a dopey ecstasy. So you write you write heroin laced ecstasy, and then it pops up with a picture of a bunny rabbit on a pillow. No, because nobody would want uh, laced ecstasy. They'd want pure MDMA. Dude, I remember the heroin I got on there it was heroin. It wasn't fentanyl, and they would actually they didn't even say this. It delivered. But you never you never had fentanyl. I never had fentanyl. And so it wasn't big yet. It wasn't big yet. Well, so I know it was heroin. And no, so I got it, dude. This is, was nuts, dude. And it actually, they actually give you these capsules of Benadryl. It's not Benadryl. It's like the generic Benadryl that has this powder. And it's like if you are going to snort this heroin, just snort it. But if you plan on injecting it, use these capsules and mix what's inside it with it. it like it, it told you what to mix with it to shoot it. They were very it's, conscientious. Is it, is it all still out there? Yeah, they'll never fucking close it down. They're just like a new one pops up later. It originally it's got scary. shut down because the guy was just an idiot and made a mistake online. I have a weird thought of stuff I wanted to talk about today. Um, and it's very, very like recovery centered. Okay. It's like I oh, was oh, – uh, We need to do the voice memo too. That's about hallucinogenics. Don't forget that. Oh, the the thing? Yeah. With the with the, with Libe? Yeah. Um. It's just like today – I just went to a meeting actually. Well, last night I'm on Facebook. I'm, I'm like – you know, I'm watching The Wire. For some reason I find The Wire to be the most relaxing show on television for me. And I think a piece of it is because it takes me back to like – I was like – I was in one of my most intense using periods when I first watched it. I probably watched it 10 times you know, on drugs, in detox, in withdrawal, on drugs, you know, over and over again. I'd be high. I'd be sick. I'd be – withdrawing i'd be detoxing on the wire you know constantly so i watch it and it's like an old friend that watched me in my roughest periods and it's it's incredibly comforting to me but so i'm watching it and i'm on facebook and one of the dopey nation starts writing me on facebook you know and he had a little bit of clean time and he relapsed and now he's back on methadone and um and he's really struggling and you know and a lot of people out there that listen to Dopey, as far as I can tell, are struggling. And like, this is going to sound stupid, and I want you to really pick up my slack right now. It's like, what do you think the difference between when you're struggling and you're not struggling in recovery is? Like, what what is the thing that changes? I think that I mean, I hate spewing program. So try you know. try to try to do it without really spewing if you can. For me, it boils down to – it's funny because we talked about this last night and it's like – so when you do step four, all right, I'm going to throw out a little bit of program stuff and then I'm going to try Who to get Who talked about this last night? We, we were texting. We were, I was throwing those, these words around. So step four, the three things are selfish, self-centered, dishonest, afraid, right? Those are what drives your resentments. And I notice when I'm living my life based out of any of those four things, I'm moving like away from recovery and generally – the way to not live according to those four things, selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, afraid, 
is to live spiritually. So if you have a spiritual program, if you're doing something, which usually looks like helping others, communicating with a, a higher power and fellowshipping, then I don't have, I'm not selfish, you know, I don't, I don't live from a place of fear. And so, um, when I'm struggling in recovery, it's usually boils down to as simple as like, I'm not helping other people. I'm living, I'm, I don't have any humility. I'm so concerned about what's next. Do you know what I mean? In my own life. And but I, I feel like, I feel like that stuff is kind of like, and I'm not, you know, this is not a judgment yeah. thing. It's more of like, you know, like I don't get to, I mean, I think that what you're talking about is like, it's very real, but I don't get to deal with terms like that. Okay. Okay. When, okay, okay. Like, here's a better, here's a better way to put it. I'm so concerned about what's next for me. Right. Okay. So like this guy, for example, he, I mean, he's like on 40 milligrams of uh, methadone and he's very upset at himself and he's very regretting all the money he's wasted. And like, I think he wants to get clean and, and, and be well immediately. You know what I mean? So I think that's, that's kind of what you're saying. What's next for him or whatever. Totally. Right? Yes. I mean, for me, it's fucked up because it's like, and I don't say this arrogantly, but like I don't struggle with with uh, with day to day cravings or uh, questioning my decision. Well, that's what I, I mean. That's one of the beauties of the program that are super like it's great to get a sponsor or somebody doesn't even have to be in the program who's been sober a long time because they can offer you some real solid practical life advice. But the person who's been clean for a year, six months, two years, they remember the obsession and the compulsion, the cravings to use more than we do. So they have something almost better to offer. You know, they can sit there and say, oh man, like I remember what it felt like. And they can use language that sufficiently like recalls it in a very detailed way. For me, it's like, I remember, yeah, I remember I would think about shooting coke every day for a year and I'd picture registering and if I still think about it, it can fuck me up. But it isn't something that I can recall as well as somebody who just got in the program, you know? Of course. But you're not also – it's not like – it's not near your fingertips. That's you know what I'm saying? saying? Yeah. It's like it's, it's like the phone isn't near you. Like I can use my phone to get to, – to pull a fast one and get drugs tonight and fuck up everything I've done. You know um, what I mean? Yeah, the ability to go out is much easier. Yeah. I'm just – I'm also just – you know, I'm very, very grateful for, for my spot and like – and I definitely earned it, you know. But it's like I think what I tell people all the time and it's like it just seems like such bullshit is you just, just go to meetings and, and you better work the steps, you know. And then if you work the steps, you're going to fucking uh, change, you know, and it's going to get easier. That's yeah. what I tell people. You know, it's very mechanical. It, it's mechanical. It's like you work out, you're going to get muscles. You know, it's just mechanical. It's not. It's mechanical. And it's like, well, that's something that we both did. And I, I always like to say this because there's so many different people who listen. And a lot of people who don't jive with 12-step stuff is that if you do anything, it'll probably get better. Some things are better than others and you'll have to figure out your own thing that works. That said, the beauty of the 12-step program, it's a little moralistic and it's God-centric, which I know people don't like. But – it's all laid out. It's all simple. It's a whole thing for you just to do and it's available everywhere around the world. And if you do everything they say, it's a pretty good deal. It's a good deal. But then this guy, right, 
and, and I just want to talk this through because we, we, we reach a bunch of people who are in this spot and I don't want to bore anybody with this stuff, but like, this is the deal, right? Yeah. You know, um, the guy was like, I'll, I want to go back to meetings. He said, but I'm not going to work the steps. That's, that's yeah. what he said. You know, and I, and I was like that, you know what I mean? Like I, I went to meetings for years and, and like, I didn't even consider working the steps. I didn't even consider opening a book, but it's like, now it's like, had I, I don't think I would have been able to get clean if I hadn't actually done what they told me. Cause again, the mechanics of it. Yeah, but, the, but the question though is, would you have gone, he isn't even going to meetings. Would you have gone back to meetings if somebody told you, you have to work the steps? So it's like, at that point, just tell him, go, yeah, no, whatever, just go to meetings, you know? And then hopefully somebody will have a conversation with them after a few months that says, why don't you try the actual program? Well, that's what I said to him. But, but what happened to me you know, after years of going to meetings and never picking up a book and never working steps and being very much like, no thanks, I, basically too lazy, too cool, too scared, you know, all those things. Uh, in the very end, I was so miserable and so obsessed with feeling miserable that I was like, I need obsession to be lifted. I've been to enough meetings to know that if they tell me if I work the steps, I'll be free. I won't be obsessed. And that's why I work the steps because I was – you remember, I was crazed. I couldn't talk about anything besides one thing over and over and over and over again. What, your, I, video, I, your video series? Well, maybe I talked about three things. Yeah. I talked about my family. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You told no, me your, I fam- talk- your family would took the cake. Yeah, I, I could it not. It was annoying. I remember. I was just, it was annoying. <laughs> but but it stopped because I worked the steps, yeah. you know. And then like I was thinking about. I went to a meeting today, and um, and you know that that Instagram thing you posted from uh, the family afterwards, the I, thing about you know. Uh, so we think cheerfulness and laughter. Oh yeah, make, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Where where did you stumble onto That's that? That's in like, step twelve. It's uh, but where did but what made you see it at that moment? I was reading to my uh, – so the way my lineage goes through the steps is we read the big book and the sponsor literally just reads it to the sponsee. So um, with my sponsee, we're on step 12. So I was re- reading to him and I read and it, it and I read it and then I actually I, – <laughs> we were actually reading. I was like, hold on a second and I highlighted it and took a picture for Dopey, which I don't think he knew I was doing that. <laughs> well, I'm going to read this one. This We'll be done with this in a second. But this is Dopey. This whole thing is is the whole wait, can thing. You, of wait, COVID. can you give me thirty seconds? Yeah, I just have to piss really bad. I drank right, a ton so of coffee. Just pause it. I can't pause it. Well, I'll just edit it later. All right, read this thing. All right, we have been speaking to you of serious, sometimes tragic things. We have been dealing with alcohol or drugs in its worst aspects, but we aren't a glum lot. If newcomers could see no joy or fun in this in our ex, in our existence. They wouldn't want it. We absolutely insist on enjoying life. We try not to indulge in or carry the world's troubles on our shoulders. I mean, do you ever even think about like, like, what do you think about Trump? You know what I mean? It's like, who fucking cares? I fucking (laughs) couldn't care less. You know what I mean? Um, When we see a man sinking into the mire that is alcoholism, we give him first aid and place what we have at his disposal. For his sake, we do recount and almost relive the horrors of our past. This is all dopey. But those of us who have tried to shoulder the entire burden and trouble of others find we are soon overcome by them. 
So we think cheerfulness and laughter make for usefulness. Outsiders are sometimes shocked when we burst into merriment over a seemingly tragic experience out of our past. But why shouldn't we laugh? We have recovered and have been given the power to help others. Now, that was, this the, that be- was the paragraph before in the, in the one that I highlighted, right? Now, this is the most boring episode of Dopey in the history of Dopey, but it's important to distill our message down to that. Yeah. It really is. No, it's so true. And the thing you mentioned about Trump was like, first of all, there's people, you know, when Trump was reelected, especially in New York, there's people who going <clears throat> elected. He wasn't reelected yet. Yeah. yeah. When he was elected, there's people in New York going just like crazy in meetings about it. And that's not to say we don't care, but I think that once you've dealt with something like addiction, it just takes precedence over everything. It's like you, you see the I mean? people. It's like, at- it's like how, how can you care about uh, how can you care about politics when it's like you're forsaking your family for something? You know. Well, you want to hear something fucked up? Fucking, if the Knicks win, I can uh, everything bad goes away. I'm like, if the Knicks win, like the worst news has no impact on my life. Anything can happen, and the Knicks win, and I'm like, all is well. And I come to school like bouncing. Last night, I called you. The Knicks were up by fucking 23 to Cleveland, and they lost the game by three. And I, like, went to bed depressed. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like, how does that fit with what we just talked about? It's like I the know. For some reason, for some reason, <laughs> the Knicks is like my kryptonite. It's the only thing. I'm like a real fanatic with this stuff. It's insane. Yeah, you post that one, one picture of your friend Devin every time they win. I don't know why it makes me happy. <laughs> it's fucked up, though, because on Saturday the Knicks won, and I didn't post the picture of Devin, and then we lost. That's why they and lost. I can't, that's, what, that's what I'm hearing all over the place. They're like, why didn't you post the picture? And I had forgotten. They, they like creamed Sacramento, and I didn't think of it. Yeah. I was tired. But it's a, um, it's a really good point, though, getting back to what you read, because – the truth was, and I've said this on Dopey several times, was that I thought that when I stopped using, I was going to have to grit my teeth and bear it and be a pill for the rest of my life and never laugh. And if that was the case, I would have never got sober. That was, that's also an impossibility. Do you know what I'm saying? And I don't mean it's an impossibility um, to have that happen. I'm just saying for somebody like you or somebody like me, if life turned out to be miserable, teeth gritting – uh, we would be using. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, but, it's but like, that's, it's like but, 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 but that's the misconception that a lot of people go into rehab with. It's like my life is over. But the truth is, I mean, like I know what I do, and I think it's funny. It's like every time I went to get better, I would say I, I picture everything as cliches in movies, yeah. and the first cliche is. I better prepare myself for the worst dope sick that I'm ever going to have. And it's like, you remember in train spotting when he goes to kick and he, he like buys two half gallons of ice cream. He buys like, like sleep medicine. He buys like diarrhea medicine. And he's like, do you remember? And he's like, he's like, yeah. I'm, I'm not sick yet, but it's in the mail. And he's at home and he's got all of his little supplies ready to get sick. And then it's like, so I think that I'm like, okay, I've got my, my shows to watch. I've got my sweets to eat. I've got like weed for the detox. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and then like afterwards, I'm like, I'm going to live like Rocky. I'm going to train. I'm going to read. And little by little, it's going to turn around and I'm going to be happy and stuff. And like, it never goes like that. But like some of the people that I'm encountering right now, they like refuse to imagine past the sickness. Like anybody on dope, it's going to be bad yeah. for a long time, but it gets better. 
yeah. you know, and it goes and it's, away. it's important to actually, you know, have a thought that it can be better. Well, it's you know? funny though. There are some people that kind of follow through with what you said and they put down the drug, they get over the immediate acute sickness and they start working out excessively, pursuing their career successfully and pursuing women excessively. And it's just a recipe for falling on your face. Well, I think it's, it's also because it's what it is is it's spot treatments for the restless, irritable, and discontent. That baseline feeling of alcoholism. So you get the girl, you feel better for a little bit. You make more money at work, you feel better for a little bit. You exercise, you get better looking, you feel better for a little bit. You know. But I, I also think though, uh, yeah, I do know. Yeah. But I also I also think though there's a thin line between the spot treatment and actually putting things in your life. You know what I mean? Like I found that when I um when I was in that spot, I would I would like try to date. I would try to exercise. I would try to write a book. I would try to read a book. I would try to watch. You know, I try to do as many things as I can just so I wouldn't be fucking trapped yeah, up and here. And those are, and those are good things, but you just can't make any of those things your higher excessive. power. You, no, and you're excessive in the sense of your higher power because if that's what's come so dumb, but if that's what you put before your recovery, you're gonna lose. You know. And it's like the recovery comes right. first and what comes first with the recovery is for me is a connection with something beyond myself that's pure, that's not egocentric, that isn't feeding Chris and making him a bigger, stronger, better, more powerful, egocentric human being, you know? Yeah, it's just so funny. Like it's like very much stay within the lines. You know, it's like it's very easy to follow the advice and then find yourself doing the exact wrong thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like – it's like it's like it's like what Mr. Miyagi said. Go right side, or I don't know. He said something about getting squashed like a grape. I forgot. <laughs> well, I mean, it's because all this shit we just said, it's funny because I would probably suggest all of those things to people if they were right. You know, with their spiritual program, I'd be like, hey, maybe it's time for you to start dating. Maybe it's time for you to start pursuing a different career path if that's more fulfilling. You know, maybe it's a time to start exercising and being healthy. Those are all good things. They just can't be the thing. And they can't – yeah, they can't be everything. Yeah. They have to be supplemental instead of everything. And not to mention though like – it's like what I always say, hobbies, hobbies, hobbies. You know what I mean? Like if, if like when I – like when I get bored, if I pick up my guitar and try to play a song, it always makes me happy. Or if I try to get better at something, it makes me happy. Anything you can – anything that can take your mind off yourself is the deal. I'm going to play this thing now because we're going to never play it. This is from uh, Libe Bearer, who's one of the leads on um, the Amazon show Sneaky Pete. It's 15 minutes, so that's how long it is. And it's a story of how she decided that she was never going to do drugs again. Okay? Right. Okay. So I'm on the phone with my friend's girlfriend, who happens to be a very famous up-and-coming actress, Libe Bearer. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Me, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm sitting in my daughter's room. Normally we do the show, uh, me and Chris, at a table, but Libe's schedule is too too hectic to get her on the phone. So we're going to get her on the phone like this, right? Uh, it's a hectic schedule, yeah. right? Too hectic. It, yeah, it's been, it's been a little crazy, but uh, I'm glad we can... Libe is on this very, very big time show on Amazon called Sneaky Pete with what's the guy's name, the lead guy? Javon Irvisi. Is that his real name? Yeah. When he was younger, did he, he have a, 
Did he have a? Jason? I thought he had like a like a normal name when he was younger, but I guess it was always Giovanni <laughs> Rubisi. A normal name. I think. I think it's just Italian. Is he Italian? I thought he was American. I think the name's Italian, right? That's definitely. I know. I actually don't know. I always thought when he was a kid, his name was like Scott something. But, uh, really? I, I don't think you might be thinking you're a different person. <laughs> probably, probably. But you're on this very famous new up and coming show. You know, there's huge, you have huge billboards of you. Does well, that, not, it, they're mostly of his face, but. <laughs> aren't you in the background of some of them, though? Yeah, those, they exist. There are photos. Lassie's the big like, publicity photo that went around was um, just his face with like black stripes going through it. So no, but, no big time fucking Libe Barrere on billboards yet is what you're saying. There wasn't last year, but the, who knows? This season we're doing a photo shoot next this weekend for PR stuff for this season. So who knows? <laughs> That could be a very, very exciting thing. And, uh, you know, Lee Bay's boyfriend is one of my oldest friends who was on Dopey. Did you hear Jeremy on Dopey? I haven't, no. Well, he was masterful, as always, on Dopey. And Jeremy um, Jeremy introduced me to Lee Bay a few years ago, and I was shocked at how beautiful and young she was. So congratulations to Jeremy and to you for being so beautiful oh, and young. And Libe was like, I hear you're doing a drug show, and she has some fucking crazy story about psychedelics. I do. Um, can I just dive in? Yeah. Um, so, uh, so basically a few years ago, I was at this um, music festival in Washington called Sasquatch, and... Um, I've never been super into drugs. I've like there was a time when I like smoked weed and like I messed around with Adderall and whatever. But um, I was at the music festival with some friends, and um, it's one of those that you have to like camp for like three days, three four days, whatever. And um, they uh, uh, there's like an alarm going off in my building. Can you hear that? No. Oh, okay, that's good. <laughs> um, anyway, I just moved away from that sound. Um, and we have, um, so you have to, like, camp, and there's, like, no showers, and it's just, like, you know, there's, like, no hotels anywhere nearby kind of thing. It's not like Coachella or anything. You're just, like, in the, it's called the Gorge, where the music festival is, which, like, it's in Washington, like, gorgeous canyon with, like, rivers running through it. Um, and uh, so we're there, and we, like, set up our campsite on the first day, and we see um, we're, and we're, like, our camp, the camp spot that we got is, like, close to, like, the aisles that, like, lead to the main area or whatever. And we just see people going through and, like, yelling, like, you know, mushrooms, mushrooms, get your mushrooms. And, like, Molly, like, yelling like it's a fucking baseball game, you know, right. with drugs. And we're just, like, this is crazy. I guess this is, like, what people do here. Like, we weren't expecting to, like, do, that, that like, wasn't our plan. And we're just seeing it everywhere. And, um, like, we're later in the day we're like walking around and um, we walk past this guy who goes hey is this lady looking for mushrooms and we're like no we're good man and um, and he goes are you sure and at the same time the three of us are like well and so we get these mushrooms from him the three of us have, none of us have done them before and he was like uh, and he it was like 
okay, the amount that he gave us is like, this is enough for one person, but because you've never done it, like, just let her take three feet. So we're like, perfect. Um, and so the first day we go, we like scope out the music festival. So wait, how much did he, how much did he sell you then? I think it was an eighth, which like, when people I talked to after that have been like, that is way too much for one person. (laughs) Yeah. Usually had way too much for three people. (laughs) Well, usually I think two people, in my experience, two people would eat an eighth usually. And then one very bold person would eat it by himself. But three, three and an eighth, if it's potent, you never know. Keep going. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Well, so we had, so the three of us, I mean, the two of us are, like, very tiny girls, <laughs> and, um, like, we're small people, and our third friend was, like, taller, um, but, so, I mean, and none of us had done this before, and so it was probably, anyway, from what I've learned, we took too much, <laughs> but, so we had scoped out the festival the first day, and we'd gotten there a little bit early, there was no line to get in, and, um, we, and, uh, we, there was, like, oh, also, at the campsite, you couldn't charge your phones, so the only place you could charge your phone was at the actual festival. They have, like, a phone charging station, and we scoped that out the first day. And so by the second day, our phones are dying, and we decided that's the day we're going to take the mushrooms. And we're like, well, we hear it takes a while to kick in. I guess we'll eat it, and then we'll walk over to the festival, and then we'll go <laughs> charge our cell phones. Right. <laughs> Which we were like, of course, that is, like, clearly none of us had ever done hallucinogens before because our idea was, yeah, let's just take drugs and go charge our phones. <laughs> like, what? And so we, um, so we take them and we, uh, we walk over and we take, we took our time a little bit more that day. And then we get to the festival and there's this huge fucking line to get into the festival. And we're like, oh fuck. And suddenly me and my friends, the two who are the small ones, like we, it hits us right away really fucking hard. And we're like, oh, we are tripping waiting in this line with like, hundred people <laughs> like this is and our third friend like hadn't felt it yet you know and so she was like um and so me, me and my friend were like I think we're tripping I think this is what just hit us like a ton of bricks and but my third friend hadn't felt it she was taller and so we were trying to like keep it together but like, no it's totally fine we're totally fine waiting in this line <laughs> you know for however long and um then we so then we go in and we're still trying to keep it together for our third friend who wasn't feeling it she's like guys I'm not gonna feel it this you know this stupid um and then we go to we're like okay well let's go charge our cell phones for a little bit so that we have you know some battery and whatever we go to the charging station of course by that day everyone was thinking the same thing and the phone station was so packed um and so we're like standing there just like i mean i'm like watching like people like and things breathe and change colors and i'm like as we're like looking for outlets to like plug our phones into and we're like this is horrible and um then at that point my third friend it hit her and so we're like maybe let's just go and like watch let's just go and watch the music and we go to the gorge and it was beautiful so you were like charging the phone is out no charging the phone. No, we decided we yes. scrapped the phone yes. charging okay. after a certain yeah. point. We were like, are we really going to spend this time <laughs> right. sitting like by these little outlets like with 8,000 people? And, and it was also really fucking hot. Um, we're like, are we really going to spend this time doing that? Uh, and so we go, and so, I, so we scrapped the phone idea, and then we go more like listening to music, and it was and we're, we're watching music and, we're, and it's in front of the gorge which is like so beautiful and it was this crazy thing where like I I want to say we were having a great time but I don't know if that's exactly accurate because like it was 
I mean, just one of those things that we're like watching the mountains breathe and change colors and like the light reflect, refract. And, um, but every time I would open my mouth and say something, I would just start crying. <laughs> I was like, I'm fine. I swear. I'm just, I like, I'm just, I don't know why, but when I open my mouth, I'm just crying. Um, you were and, very emotional. Um, <laughs> it was very emotional. And, um, then it was also like 8,000 degrees and we were so dirty because we hadn't showered in a few days and we'd just been like in the dirt and I just remember feeling like a piece of clay cooking in the sun and um, at a certain point we ran out of water and I and I decided I'm going to be the person who like goes and gets I'm like well I guess I'm just going to go and I'll refill all of our water bottles um, and bring them back and I'm, so I'm going to venture away from you guys um, and so I wander off and the water had, the, like where you get water, they literally called it the watering hole. <laughs> and um, so I take our water bottles and I make my way through like all of these people to the watering hole and I'm waiting in line, like looking really intently at the fountain. And of course there's like a huge line to get into, um, to get to the water, which like when you're tripping is like the last thing you want to be doing again it's like waiting in a line with tons of people in like a hundred degree um weather and then like holding on to these water bottles and I'm waiting in line and um and I'm like looking really intently at the at the fountain that seems so far away and I just hear this voice behind me go you're the friend with the water and I turn around and I see this like beautiful guy with this like like painted face and he and I go what? And he goes, I'm the friend with the water. And he's like holding all these empty water bottles. And I go, Oh my god, this is so crazy! Like, you know. And so we start talking, and he goes, and he goes, This is my first time. And I go, Oh my god, me too. I've never done mushrooms before. And he goes, Oh, I met my first time at a music festival. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Oh right. And I just in that moment heard myself say that and heard everyone in that line. And I was like, Wow, I was. Just the girl that was like I am <laughs> you outed yourself right now <laughs> yes yeah and um and so then he goes oh no but I'm on a combination of acid and molly right now and I go oh, okay I feel a little better <laughs> and so we're waiting for this water you know waiting to find taking forever and slowly I swear like this actually happened all of the water the water started running out so all the faucets started like drying up and everyone was huddling around this one and we we're just like waiting and I, it really felt like we were in this together like we were going to get this water for our friends and finally we make it I fill my water bottle up and I go back I was probably gone for like what I mean it felt like an hour that I was gone and I go back and one of my friends is sitting there by herself and I go where's Olivia and she goes she left right after you did um she went to go get Sprite I was like she went to go get Sprite she's been gone for like an hour and she and our third friend like is still not coming back of course we don't have charged cell phones because we couldn't charge them right and um finally like 15 minutes later my friend Olivia comes back and she and I guess she had like gotten she went to go get Sprite but then got sick and lost and <laughs> was like throwing up behind a stage and it was just a mess and I just remember feeling it was just this it was such a and like I going to the bathrooms that were just porta potties I remember seeing like the the, the like walls breathing in on me and it was just it was I it felt like it went on forever and I and it was like generally a positive experience but it was so intense that I remember when like we were when we were sobering up and you get those like flashes of sobriety before you're sober it was just like the biggest relief and I was like oh my god I'm at the end of the tunnel I'm at the end of the um you know and I and I and 
And then I just remember, like, we sobered up right when the Violent Femmes started playing, and uh, we basically, like, ran... But we were like, oh my God, we're sober. We made it. <laughs> we made it. And we were so excited to have been sober. And we just like ran down to like the bottom of the, to like the pit wherever it was, and like danced to the Violent Femmes. And we're just like celebrating our sobriety. And for the rest of the music festival, we didn't have any interest in like touching any kind of drugs or we didn't even drink the rest of the time. We were just like so happy to be sober, <laughs> which I had never felt. And at that, from that point, I was just like, I think I've done with drugs. I was like, I think I did. I was like, not that that was a bad experience. I'm definitely, I'm glad I had that experience. It was a positive experience, but I was like, I think I'm done. I think that's it for me and drugs. <laughs> I think that's funny. I think that's a a funny, great story, and it's also the least dopey story that we've ever had. But in the same way, it's cool because it's like the antithesis. And I think anybody who trips knows the relief of uh, when the trip is ending, or at least I do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Thank you, Libby. I love that story. I think it's very, very fun. Yeah. And uh, and I'm glad. You know, it it only took us six months for you to tell me a 13 minute story, but that's cool. I, I feel okay about that. I hope it was worth it. <laughs> it was totally worth it. Short and sweet. But I'm going to get you on again just to harass yeah. you because I, I want to talk about uh, your relationship with Jeremy. I didn't want to. I didn't want to freak you out with that for the for the first episode. <laughs> but the next time I'm going to I'm going to totally freak you out with that stuff. But um, right. so how how is do you enjoy the the early bits of fame? Is it everything you want it to be? The early bits of fame. Um, I. Uh, I don't, I don't know. It's a weird thing. I don't know if I would call it that. I think it's, I'm just enjoying, like, being on this show and getting to work and, um, doing what I love, which is cool. And Brian Cranston makes that show? Yeah. He's on one of, he was on one of the greatest drug shows in the history of drug shows. So. He was, yeah. So we'll give it, we'll give a big, that's a big cool thing. Is he nice? He's great. Yeah, he's super nice. Um, he's in London working on a show right now. But, um, yeah, he's a great guy, and he's the one who really, our show, the show went through, like, some crazy incarnations of uh, going from CBS to Amazon and everything. And, like, if it wasn't for him pushing it through, um, him and his producing partner, James Vegas, if it wasn't for the two of them, uh, I don't think we would have had a show. That's awesome. Um, so... Would you would you ever say anything bad about anybody you worked with, or is everybody super good? Would I or will I? <laughs> I think we'll just leave it at that. I don't want to put. I, I like that you're in this semi-famous place and that you still answer my texts. So we'll keep it. We'll keep it as a nice thing. And um, but That's you good, yeah. you should say. Yeah, I feel like with that. You should say stay yeah. strong, stay strong, dopey nation. That's what you have to say. Yeah, stay strong. <laughs> Stay strong, Dopey Nation. <laughs> and, and Chris says toodles, but you don't have to say toodles if you don't want to say toodles. You know, I, I'll say toodles. I don't toodles. say toodles. I mean, here, say toodles. Well, I said toodles. Okay. So thank you, Lee Bay. Uh, it's <laughs> yeah, great to you. have you on, and hopefully I'll see you soon. Thanks, yeah, for sure. Thank you, so Lee Bay. It's Lee Bay. <laughs> Dave's told me about this woman ten times, and I always just think we. I've told you about. I've told. I've told you about her at least fifty. It's times. amazing because it it reveals how little I listen to you. Because every time he tells me, I'm like, "We Bay, like the wire." And Dave gets mad. He's like, "No, it's Lee Bay." Well, I get mad because it's like, 
it's just it's amazing to me like what you can remember and what you you don't remember some things you pay attention to it just uh, it's just very strange like i think the, you hit the nail on the head i pay attention to drugs and me yeah i think you pay attention to uh i'm scared this isn't going to be able to send no you'll be able to send it send it to me later um, uh, they, um, but no, but this is really, um, it's true. I mean, from what she said though, like every single time, you know, I would do hallucinogenics after I developed like a serious, serious addiction, I would really have like introspective nightmares about what drugs were doing to me. I would just, yeah, I would get so out of my mind and scared like and it would it would be for me it wasn't like I was never worried I never had that kind of thinking like what are drugs doing to me it just didn't occur to me like that I would just have the thinking of wow that scared me I don't want to feel like that again you know that was something else they talked about at the meeting today like like uh, like a, somebody who's a, allergic to alcohol who's not an alcoholic is like I don't want to feel like that again and doesn't drink again which is what happened to me with alcohol. Yeah. First time I drank, I drank everything, got so sick, I was like, I don't want to feel like that again. And I never did. Yeah, but you were actually allergic to alcohol. When they're talking about the allergy in the book, it's talking more about the allergy that I have, which is just an abnormal reaction. Which means for me, the first time I drank, I was like, I want to do this all the time, constantly. No, 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 no. But the allergy, I think that was the same allergy, is the um, – I, I had a drop of it and I drank 20 drinks. Oh. Like I didn't even consider the drinking. I just drank until I was gone. Like just gone. Yeah, like but, it I, wasn't, but I did the second time. Actually, it was the third time I drank. I drank like most of a fifth of rum and I ended up puking everywhere. And I woke up the next day and wanted to do it again. You know, right. I didn't, it didn't Either scare way. me. Thank you, Libe, for sending in the Yes, the thank voice. you. Sorry. Thank for you. doing the interview. Yes. That's what counts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, tripping is funny like that. You know, I, I mean, tripping, I, I always would come away from a trip like that was cool, but it was too scary for me to really do that a lot. That's okay. always how I would come away from a trip. So we got to wind down in a second here because I have my psychodynamic class coming up soon, um, which is very – it's not the theoretical orientation I gravitate to. What is it? It's Psychodynamic is sort of like what psychoanalysis has morphed into. And just real rudimentary, like when you hear CBT, that's like the how, you know, you right. approach something and psychodynamic is the why. It's right. super interesting, but like I'll just give you a real quick case example. We were talking about this woman who liked um, her autoerotic preference for sexual stimulation was anal, right? She liked anally stimulating herself. And this is where it was rooted in, according to her, like, psychodynamic theory. When she was, like, three or four years old, her um, – she had gotten a, uh enema from a physician and her dad was there and she remembered that. And then later on, she would, like, restrict pooping so she would become constipated and then she would poop out and then suck her poop back in when she was, like, in a little girl. Do you know what I mean? Hold on. So the poop would leave. She how did she get she the get, poop back into? She her? would get constipated. She would take her poop, and then she would let some of her poop come out, and then she somehow learned how to suck it back in. So and, her ass ate the poop. Yes, and she would do that. She'd move it in and out, in and out, and then poop, and she liked it. And then, um, so it would never actually get out of her. It was no. Still eventually, attached. it would. She would just play with it until she like pooped it out. 
do you think her her ass was capable of, of consuming shit? That's well, I mean, like if there was like if like there was like some pudding on the floor, she can walk up to it naked, and her asshole could eat the pudding. Yeah, I guess. But anyway, I don't think that's possible. But anyway, so just, imagine if your ass could work like a mouth. Though. Okay, so supposedly she could do this though, but her autoerotic preference for annual stimulation they believe was rooted in this enema that her father and a physician witnessed and then her playing with poop as a girl. And so like that, that was one of the case studies we learned for psychodynamic. So you're saying that the asshole can work like a mouth if you have really mastered it, I guess. Is that what I should come away with this piece of information with? What what did I miss here? I'm just telling the dopey nation what I'm about to go do. Do you think somebody could eat food with their ass? My friend, like Ted, my friend Ted can pull his butt cheek and inhale air up his butt and then fart. So he can fart whenever he wants. So he can draw air into his You know, like some people can burp whenever they want. I can't. He can fart whenever he wants by drawing air into his butt. So you're saying he can breathe with his ass. You know so- Ted. We were going to get Ted on here. He's the 40 forgeries and 40 felonies story. I feel like we should have Ted just explain how he can draw ass up with his air up with his uh, ass. See, this is what we lose in Skype. I mean, if we were here, we could call Ted together. We can't call anybody, huh? I guess I could call him right now, but we'll th- we'll do it on the next episode. Can you imagine of doing anything with your asshole besides shitting? No. Or farting? No. This no. girl takes shit back in. No, she used to. She's cured. And and Ted can can breathe basically. But it doesn't get to his lungs. It can just be expelled again. Yes. Okay. I'm so, gonna I'm gonna read you a a real quick email. All right. It's very short. I don't know if you read it. I have devoured your first 68 episodes within the past month. I read it. Are you kidding me? Okay. How could I not have read this one? All right. We got this a couple of days ago. Let me hear it again. Starting. I have devoured your first 68 episodes within the past month. It's fucking awesome. Don't change a goddamn thing, please. I am worried that when I catch up to the most recent episode. You guys are going to be in a real studio, swanky, glass walls, booms, huge computers with neon lights, and all that nonsense. Please, no. Just keep it real. Love you guys. Justin from Baltimore. Thank you, Justin. Justin, Can I ask Justin a question? Yeah, put it out there. Why could we not keep it real in a swanky studio? I mean, look where I am right now. Look at this. This is the studio right now. It's literally Barbie land, pink, white. Easter bunny on the wall. It's like it's like why can't we fucking have a studio and have somebody giving us some money? By the way, Dopey Nation, let me just ask you a question. I have this idea to make money off you guys where I would sell 50 Dopey products a month. Limited edition Dopey gear. A nice hoodie, a hat, blah, blah, blah. Would you guys buy 50? Like would 50 of you guys step up every month to buy something? Email us and let us know and also email us. And tell us if this Skype uh, episode fell short, if it's no good. Also, I, I feel I, like I, something was lacking. Do you feel like something was lacking? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's horrible. I think it's the worst episode we ever did. Um, I also think that um, – no, I, I don't think it was that bad. I think we could get – we had to get used to it. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like it's, it's a total matter of getting used to something. What do you think of my um, muscles, Dave? It's great. They're pretty good, right? It's I'm great. flexing into our Skype dopey nation. It's like you – I really – I honestly the, – the way I feel about you right now, I couldn't possibly uh, put read, into words. Read my shirt. I, I can't read it. Dinner is coming. No, what's it say about dinner? I, I can't read it. Read it. I honestly can't. No, read it. 
It's a second dinner is coming. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say though? Oh yeah, I, I strongly encourage you guys to um, still tweet at Artie and still write reviews uh, more than Omar because uh, Omar Omar really thinks he's better than us. And, uh, <laughs> he doesn't think he's better. Omar is the sweetest, nicest man out. Except, okay. except that, like, I know that he's talking to his family, and he's like, "Those jerks in the dopey nation will never have as many reviews as I have with my shared posse, whatever you call it." And, <laughs> the and share, I think the share nation. I think Omar needs some humility by by dopey <laughs> having more reviews than him. That's just what I is think. It, you think he's selfish, self-centered, dishonest, and afraid? I didn't say that. Maybe that's what you, maybe that's what you think about your buddy Omar. But I, I think Omar's wonderful. I just think he doesn't. I think he thinks he's better than us, and I think we need to show our dominance by having more reviews than him. That's you know, the shared nation has a better ring than the dopey nation. So I'm kind of upset about. How does it share nation? Why? Because it rhymes. Doesn't exist. Share nation. Does that rhyme? It has a nice flow to it. If I was a it poet, rhyme. it's an iambic pentameter. What would be cool if our show wasn't called Dopey, right? <laughs> it was just called Doe, and we had the Donation. That would be good. Share Nation is nothing, but the Donation. Doe, is- like D apostrophe O H, or Doe as in like pizza dough? Anything, because a donation, you know, <laughs> like donation. But the Share Nation doesn't exist. Omar thinks he's better than us, so send in reviews uh, because uh, we're better than him. See, I think D apostrophe OH would better represent the Dopey Nation than Doe Nation as in pizza dough. Because it's like, Doe, I did it again. Right. Well, I love Doe. <laughs> I love every kind of Doe. Yeah. What are you going to do? I'm, I like Doe, and I like Omar too, but you know, I think he thinks he's better than us. So uh, what are you going to do? I think that's your insecurity talking. But uh, with Listen, that, we'll close it out. I, I just hope you're satisfied with less reviews than Omar. Are you satisfied with that? No, I want more reviews than Home. Home has 530 reviews now. Listen, after we overcome Omar. It's a we couple will, ladies who used to drink red wine. and they We're going to set our sights on these bitches. First, we're going to deal with this this thing, and then we'll deal with that thing. It's yeah. one battle at a time, my friend. And you can't even fucking come do the show anymore. So what are you talking you about? I'm going to be there in two weeks. We're putting out this fucking bullshit, tepid, Skype-based, homogenized fucking milk in a can instead of out the fucking goat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The medium. Fucking, you know what? Nora, Nora, Nora said to me, Daddy, <laughs> there's no smell. It's medium. It's <laughs> it all day it's yesterday. It was oh awesome. my god! All right, with that, we're going to close it out. Please follow us on Instagram, like us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and like us on Reddit, and send us an email and send us a voice memo. Um, if you want to purchase a shirt, you have to use PayPal because our website sucks. Which no, we're going to fucking it, it, you know if, if Chris had a little bit more time to actually deal with the Shopify account. We would be getting you guys the real goods. Yeah, I'm coming in 2020, <laughs> an updated website. 2021. <laughs> um, what's 2020? The year? Yeah. <laughs> See, I don't know. Listen, Dopey Nation, that's another thing before we end. If any of you guys are web designers that wants to make a few bucks and know what you're doing, hit us up because fucking John, he can write a good song like Methadone, but he's not, he's not bringing the goods for the, the website. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It I offered him a lot of money to do just to do it, and he We're won't do it. We're looking to pay somebody to make that shit fucking great. Yeah, we'll pay you to make that shit great. We'll also not pay you to do a lot of work on Dopey, so if you want to sign up for the Dopey team, just send us an email. All right, uh, and with that, toodles. Stay strong out there. Stay strong, Dopey, Dopey Nation. Toodles.